Hello and welcome to the Sobo Lens Podcast. This is Jim and Joe sharing their stories and life experiences. Sobo today for a better tomorrow. This is Life Through the Sobo Lens. Hello everyone and welcome to the 8th episode of the Sobo Lens Podcast. I'm Jim and as always I'm here with my Sobo co-host Joe. Hi Joe. Hey Jim. Uh, episode 8. Wow. They say most podcasts don't make it past episode seven, so we got that going for us. In this week's episode, we're going to talk about anger and recovery and how to channel it in positive ways. We'll do a couple music reviews and a segment of the Hot Sauce Hooligans, so let's get right into it. On a previous podcast, I mentioned my anger. I was plain disgruntled with life mad at the world, Uh, depending on who you asked, they probably still think I am. (laughs) Uh, Some years ago, drinking was at a tipping point. I I felt I was definitely a functioning alcoholic. Uh, I paid the bills. I paid rent. I went to work. I just didn't care. Uh, I had various strained relationships that were hanging on by threads. I ended up looking into anger management As I said before, I went on my own to try and better myself. It wasn't court-ordered or anything, and I figured it can't hurt. Um, While at the sessions, each session was controlled by me, I don't like others telling me what to do, so the fact that I had full control meant a lot to me. I got to bring up the topics, and we just ran with it. All my life... And, I, and I've said this before, all my life I thought you're not a man if you don't show feelings. Um, I was wrong. I'd be in the, I'd be in the office uh, laughing, crying, yelling, and straight flipping my shit. Uh, it was good because I got to release pent-up energy, and it was a real help. Anger management taught me it was okay to have and express feelings no matter what they were, from sad to anger to happy they could all be valid. I learned how to channel my anger and rage in positive ways, such as hobbies, as I've said before. To me, hobbies are essential in sobriety. These days I enjoy many from watching my son grow and chasing after him because he's starting to run, uh, to to collecting and spinning records, and as well as podcasting. So I, I know that you also collect and spin records and you are also on the podcast with me. So those are some of yours as well. Um, These things make me happy. They keep me busy and they allow me to keep stacking my sober days. I always tell people who are new to sobriety or are sober curious, hobbies are huge, Uh, huge. I find things, things you want to do or try I find they're good to good to have. I'm also a big proponent of therapy and programs that will help people better themselves. Uh, I just find it's a better way than getting fucked up all the time. Anything, anything but the bottle. Anything, you know, anything but the bottle. There I go saying, you know, again, early in the podcast. <laughs> um, sobriety or even moderation to me is one of the best things you can do for yourself. I've always said that. And live your life. 
live your life. Don't live some bullshit one you see on TV that isn't reality. I mean, we only get one life. So focus on being the best version of yourself you can. There's always hope for the hopeless, even when the chips seem down and anything is possible if you put in the work and effort. Uh, Joe, do you have anything to offer on this topic? Well, as as Jim knows, I've had my, my bouts with uh, anger and, you know, I've had some brushes with the law in my day as well. Uh, I find that in the times where I was, whether in trouble or whether I was, you know, an angry person, which just as often as Jim, if not more, it's just we, we show it in different ways. Um, I was always, you know, in counseling and I, I was sent to anger management once court ordered anger management. Um, I, I actually not to interject. I remember that. <laughs> I remember when you went. And, uh, it, it was really good. I mean, it, it, it was fun. Uh, actually one of the, a lot of them were people that were recovering. And, uh, I found out that one of the guys, uh, who I became kind of friendly with, he actually passed away recently. So I, I just want to say you know god rest his soul he was a nice guy sorry but, to hear that yeah i guess he was he actually grew up with my uncle ronnie god rest his soul <laughs> another guy who dealt with his own anger issues and uh he uh yeah he was from east boston originally after coming to talk to him so he was a nice guy and he was battling a lot of anger demons and sobriety demons himself over the years so um always praying for those people but uh I've had my brushes with anger and, and, you know, they've got me into a lot of jams and pickles as Jim knows over the years. And, uh, you know, the booze would just intensify it, which is, uh, one of the last times I got into some, uh, little bit of trouble or jams. Um, I was pretty much under the influence. The counts, yeah. the counseling helps. Uh, sorry. What were you going to say, Jim? No, it's, it's when you go in there and you want to do something, as far as you getting help, um, I've known you for a long time. And when you set out to do something and you did it, I always saw, you know, a better Joe. When mm -hmm. you And it's like that with anyone. When you do something with good intentions mm -hmm. and you, you, you do that, then, you know, the, it, it, you get more out of it. Right. You know? Absolutely. I've you know, when I, I'm like you, I'm a passionate person. And when I set my mind to something, I always want to try to be the best I can at it. And that goes with sobriety, anger, anything, work, life, fatherhood, you know, me and you are very similar in that regard. Um, that's another reason we started the podcast was, you know, fatherhood, faith, mm -hmm. music, sobriety, and just tie it all together in a bow. Here comes my first absolutely of the night. Absolutely. <laughs> um, when we were working together, I uh, I forgot. I totally forgot that you had been going to counseling. And, and then I, you know, had just gotten in trouble for one of the last times. And I, I had been going to counseling at the same time. And I, I don't even remember talking about it, but I'm sure we did. Uh, it was like, what, 15 years ago now or something. But uh, it, it's fun. It's funny. I think you went to counseling and I was going to anger management and then <laughs> you finished your degree, which pushed me to go back oh, and yeah. finish my degree. So That's right. That's right. When, again, again, folks, to all listeners, when you surround yourself with good people and they push you, you end up with good things. That's right. Yeah. If you remember, yeah, the, the counselor, um, his name was Frank. I, if he's still alive, he was a great man. Uh, he was a Vietnam vet. So 
God bless him too for serving and, you know, come overcoming his own things, but he was a great, great man. And, uh, he actually remember was the one that suggested that I go back to school and, and, uh, and I did, and I worked at, uh, with Jim in the daytime and I went to school at night and then that spurred Jim on to want to go back. And it's always been like that with me and Jim. It's a, it's a really, it's, it's a really great thing. It's a special, it's a, it's a special it's, thing. It, yeah. It's a reoccurring thing. And like I said, when you push, when you push someone and you're, you do it in a friendly way and say, you know, I'm doing this, you know, maybe you should go back to school or whatever. Yeah. It, it you know, helps. I mean, I mean, I think it gives you clarity to really see how you failed and see how you can get better. And in that case, you know, it helped us both. I mean, they, they talk about your sober toolbox, mm-hmm. having hobbies, surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. They all go in the box, and then you you pull them out. I mean, you might be, you might be somewhere, and you don't have to have to. I gotta leave early, or what have you, just for your own sanity, and that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, I uh, I was taught a lot of tools. Uh, we talk about the toolbox with sobriety, but I was taught by this man Frank a lot of tools in the anger management thing that kind of you know, become second nature and you don't realize that you're not the angry person that Jim knew me to be, uh, when he first met me and, uh, uh, in my early twenties or late teens, early twenties, whatever, but, um, they still are ingrained in me, which made me less angry. And then the next time I was in anger management myself, uh, which was a few, three, four years ago now, uh, they also taught me new ways of being better and, and, you know, working things out in relationships and at work instead of flying off the handle like I used to once do and then just burn every fucking bridge around me and go down like, uh, you know, General uh, Sherman went through uh, Atlanta. <laughs> it's funny. You have to have a balance of, you know, work life, home life, your friends. And when you burn those bridges, it's they're hard to it's hard to come back from, but you can do it. I mean, look at, look at you. You're, you know, I, I sat there and I, like I said, we've known each other many years now and you can say the same about me. You watch the person kind of make a mistake or fuck up. Mm -hmm. And then you watch them rebound. And, you know, they, they say that the, the re the, the rebound is always better than the set the the setback is always minor that when you rebound and you get into it that's always going to be better than the setback was mm-hmm. amen you uh you got anything else on that uh no no just to say that you know it, it's always going to be a work in progress just like sobriety anyone with anger issues uh you know you're never completely at ease because you know that there's things you can work on whether it's at home or work or in public it, i mean there's always things you can work on so just never stop whoever you are and learn new ways and add new things to the tool belt you know yeah absolutely don't don't fly off the handle as much and put your best foot forward i hate to sound cliche but that's the truth yeah, it's it's not just a cliche. I mean, it really is the truth. So moving forward, uh, I'd like to jump into a segment we're gonna call "Two Dads Music Review." Hmm. Uh, it's the 
title states we're both dads and we're going to review an album together that means something to us i'm going to choose one and we'll both talk about it and then joe will choose one and we'll both talk about it uh there's no selective draw we just told the other one what the album was and we'll go from there so the album i chose for this current review is 10 by pearl jam uh background on me i love 90s grunge I'm usually rocking a flannel no matter the weather. I love all the classic grunge albums. This album is no exception. And it never lets up from start to finish. Uh, Pearl Jam rose, <clears throat> excuse me. Pearl Jam rose from the ashes of Mother Love Bone and Green River and took over the Seattle music scene. Uh, Eddie Vedder recorded a demo tape for the other members of Pearl Jam, putting his lyrics to their music. The tape is known in circles as the Mama Sand Demos. It contained three tracks, which are Once, Footsteps, and Alive. Once and Alive made it on 10, and Footsteps was a fantastic B-side, as most of their B-sides are. I won't get into every song on the album. Let's just say Eddie can definitely paint a vivid picture lyrically. 10 catapulted Pearl Jam as the voice of an M the MTV generation with videos like Even Flow and Jeremy. This album is stacked musically. It also contains fan favorites such as Black and Why Go, as well as Deep Cuts Garden and Deep. My favorite song on the album is Release. Anyway, you slice it, 10 is a banger from start to finish. It's essential to any collection if you enjoy grunge music. Do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously it's, I mean, it's such a massive album. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people think it's one of the best debut albums of any rock band in history and it falls on a lot of lists like that up there, just, you know, with all the other greats like the Beatles and whatnot. Um, 10 obviously was the first thing I had heard of Pearl Jam. I was young when it came out. I mean, I was in fourth third or fourth grade or something i was gonna i was gonna say i was young you must have been a yeah i was yeah <laughs> i was very young um probably like second or third grade but i i didn't really start listening to them um until like a year or two later and, and nirvana and stuff when i really started you know noticing music more as you do when you're a kid um i mean i i used to stay at my cousin's and um I'd, I'd stay up real late and watch 120 minutes with Matt, Matt Pinfield and then have, yep. you know, Pearl Jam's Jeremy had come on mm -hmm. and what an awesome video that oh, was. Oh, absolutely. You know? um, I think uh, 10 definitely, I still think is their best album. I mean, they have so many other good ones too. I know Jim's a huge Pearl Jam fan, um, but they, I still think 10 might be their best. I mean, it's just the sound of it, the, when it came out, all of it. Uh, I mean, even flow alive, Jeremy, all huge songs still played on radio stations all around the world to this day. Um, it's funny uh, after we had said we were going to do this segment and the albums, um, I was doing a little digging and it's funny that upon immediate release, I didn't realize that 10 was not as praised as it is now. Um, I guess Kurt Cobain, uh, of Nirvana fame, uh, late Kurt Cobain really shit on the album. And I, Oh, he, he I didn't it. even know that. <laughs> so, you know, he uh, Kurt Cobain called it like a bunch of shit and said they were sellouts right from the get go. Uh, he said it wasn't really grunge because there was guitar solos and stuff. Um, I mean, I, I 
Kirkabane was a crazy bastard at times. I mean, he's a really, really talented person, but he was kind of a nut himself. Uh, I do believe that Pearl Jam has survived all of those other punk bands to this day and become, you know, really the best to come out of that. Obviously, at the time, you didn't think that because Nirvana was so big. Um, but I think it's because of Eddie Vedder because, you know, they came from other bands, you know, the the Mother Love Bone stuff and everything. And Eddie Vedder makes Pearl Jam Pearl Jam. Eddie Vedder is just an amazing talent. Uh, his vibrato and his voice and his his vocal range and and I mean he can play instruments. He's just a, he's just you know he's just great at everything he does, and I think that's what separates Pearl Jam from the rest of them. Sadly, we never got to really see what Nirvana could have become. I think they hinted at it in you know the unplugged stuff right before his death. Um, but I really do not listen to Nirvana lately, unless once in a while I'll listen to the unplugged stuff. You know. Um, Plus, I've listened to it so many times, but Pearl Jam never really gets old the way some of those other bands can. Um, I mean, I've told you last time on a recent podcast, I've been very nostalgic lately with 80s, 90s stuff. And I've been listening to a lot of the grunge stuff again, just like Jim has. Um, I, I, I can't say enough about 10. Great album from start to finish. Uh, I was... I was surprised to find out that some there was some less than enthusiastic reviews when it was released, be it from uh, Robert Criscow from The Village Voice, who's usually pretty uh, well-read, and uh, Rolling Stone. Uh, they, they didn't have that favorable of a review at the time, but that's a lot of stuff, a lot of records. I mean, I know, uh, who was it? Um, you know, the Beatles' White Album was kind of shit on when it first came out, and that's one of the best-selling albums of all time. <laughs> So I'm 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 gonna uh, interrupt you and and just say that someone told me when we first started this podcast that if you have haters and people don't like it, you're doing something right. Mm -hmm. So you know, it, just like you know when you when you you're always gonna have haters, yeah. and then you just keep pushing, and that's what they do. Well, I mean, those the lyrics on the on the album that Vetter brings, I know a lot of people don't realize that he was sent the demos, which were recorded, and then he he gave yep. the lyrics and the and the vocals. Uh, I mean, they just, they he, touch he, on so many things. He worked at a gas station. That's right. <laughs> and he, yeah, and he, and he, he just, he crushed the, he crushed the lyrics and mailed it back, and then they flew him out to Seattle. I, I like um, this one person from Stereo Review magazine said, the band sounds larger than life, producing a towering inferno of roaring guitars, monumental bass and drums, and from the gut vocals. I think that pretty much sums this album up. Uh, and Pearl Jam in a nutshell, but especially this album. I mean, it is loud, and it just starts, and it doesn't stop till the record cuts out. It, it's funny. Uh, we talked about anger management, and Eddie was young. Young Eddie was angry. Oh, I could see that. <laughs> you know. I could see that. And he's really mellowed out over the years. I mean, he, you know, now he's a ukulele maestro. I mean, that just as me and Jim are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll give you a taste of that uh, in future podcasts. But I, I even like that. Oh, we, too. I, you know, me and you, we went out, we bought ukuleles. We started getting really into it. Um, it's funny because like, you know, like George Harrison, another individual from the Beatles, you know, who was also an angry young man. Later in his life, got really into the ukulele. Him and Petty and Clapton, he would just he would bring yep. them everywhere they went. They'd be on planes just playing ukuleles together. 
can't no, do that now. No. Thank, thank you, uh, Bin Laden. <laughs> uh, do you do you want to do you want to go into yeah, the next sure. Video? So uh, the record that I chose, and it's familiar to Jim and uh, the both of us, is uh, "The Art of Drowning" by AFI, which was released in uh, 2001. Uh, I was actually in high school when it came out. Uh, I had thought it was later, but it is 2001 because uh, "Sing the Sorrow" was uh, 03. But it's just a great album. Oh, it was released September 2000. So it was the end of 2000. Okay. Um, it was listed at the time as one of the most influential punk albums of that year. Uh, it's also listed in Rock Sounds 101 Modern Classics at number 40. Um, <clears throat> this was one of the first ones I heard from AFI. Um, I, I started listening to them in between Out of Drowning and Sing the Sorrow. So I was kind of like working my way backwards when I started listening to them as a couple other friends of mine were. And right from the get-go, this was probably my most played. I know you could, you know, give the argument that AFI, uh, their, their modus operandi is probably Sing the Sorrow. It's a concept album. It's their most, you know, successful, you know, critically. I don't know if it's commercially because December Underground might have been, but it's definitely their peak. But to me, AFI, The Out of Drowning by AFI is the quintessential AFI album. I know a lot, few other people that think that as well. Um, for many who don't know, AFI is, is a punk rock band. They're not so much punk anymore, but they were founded as a punk rock band, hardcore Bay Area punk of uh, California in the early 90s. They came up with uh, Rancid, Offspring, uh, Tiger Army, Green Day, and those other great bands from the same uh, areas of California. Uh, Jim is really familiar with this as well. He's he's a big fan of that era. Uh, yeah, so I mean, indeed, so many great songs on this one. Just standout ones: uh, "The Lost Souls," "Ever in a Day of Greetings and Goodbye," "A Days of the Phoenix," which was their first song to get radio play. Really, uh, "Wester," six to eight, "The Despair Factor," and then of course "Morning Star." Such a great one of their first early ballads that closes that record. The, we've heard it played live it's great everyone sings along uh, i think they did it last time they were in boston as their encore because nobody would let them leave the stage uh that was just an awesome moment they just decided to play that because i hadn't heard that live in 20 years or so uh but yeah uh if you like punk you like chanting and and fall you know vibes halloween vibes and you know punk which brings you back to the the great age of punk Check out The Out of Drowning by AFI. It's still my favorite. The lyrics are amazing. Definitely listen to them like I did when I first, you know, started listening to them because they will get ingrained in you. And Davey Havoc, the vocals, the the lyrics. Jade Puget, one of, you know, I think it's his second record, third maybe with the uh, All Hallows in the band. Just, you can't, it doesn't get any better. I agree. So... I don't even really have to give a review on this because Joe just basically summed it all up. Um, for those that don't know, AFI stands for Fire Inside. As he said, they hail from California. Their sound to me combines a lot of things. To me, they'll always be a goth punk band. Their album was released in 2000. I consider it one of their best as well. This was just before they made it big with Sing the Sorrow. Um, the opening one, two, three punch of the Lost Souls into Nephilim, followed by Ever in a Day, is great. You get the loud guitars, 
and the chanting, as Joe said, AFI is known for. All three of these songs also work great in a live setting. I've seen the band probably 10 or 12 times over the years at various places. They sound best to me in a small club. Uh, as you know, we were both at that show at Axis. It was unbelievable. That was actually that was actually yep, that was one. the first time I saw them. Uh, I used to love when the crowd would be on top of one another mm. dancing and screaming lyrics back at the band. The crowd would go off, and the band fed off the energy. Those were my people. Yeah. By Those December Underground, people. it was it was gone. It was gone. You know, <laughs> pe 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 people tearing it up in the pit, having the time of their lives. I'm too old to dance at shows now. I'm just that old fuck in the back who ducks off the encores <laughs> just to beat the crowd home. Uh, anyway, back to the review. The album, Out of Drowning, also contains fan favorite Stage of the Phoenix and Morningstar, as Joe also said. He also said it closes the album. I think it's a great melodic song. Honorable mention to me goes to the song oh, Six to Eight. One of, one of the things I like about AFI is all their albums contain solid openers, with a one, two, three punch and a great closing song. Again, if you like punk and you are into, you know, you want to check that out. If you enjoy goth or punk or Halloween, you can't go wrong with this album or the band. So, uh, a few other things, Jim, um, I didn't know as I was doing a little digging before the podcast. Uh, so Nick 13 is listed, you know, for, he's always been listed on some AFI albums. They were close tiger army and AFI, but, Backup vocals, two people I had no idea are on this record. Can you guess who they are? Uh, I it could be anyone. Okay. I have no idea. Dexter Holland got? of the Offspring, uh, I can and Lars Fregerson of Rancid. Yeah, I can see that too. <laughs> I never, I don't know what songs they're on. Uh, something new to me to find out today, and I was really delighted to tell Jim. Jim's a big Rancid fan. Yeah, we'll be reviewing Rancid albums Absolutely. like there's no tomorrow coming up. Um, so now, if you don't mind, listeners, we're going to jump into what we like to call Hot Sauce Hooligans. For those that don't know, this is where we review hot sauces we've tried for the first time that we enjoy, bringing them to you. So I recently got a shipment from Pepper Palace. You can check them out at www.pepperpalace.com. All your hot sauce essentials, your rubs, you, they have everything. So they themselves, they, they carry other people's sauces, but they themselves also make sauce, uh, hot sauces and rubs and infusions. I had the pleasure of trying that garlic habanero fusion. Uh, it was a medium hot sauce that combines a great deal of garlic with habaneros. If you like garlic and you like hot stuff, you'll like this sauce. The sauce is thick, and it basically looks like it was just mm -hmm. pulsed from the jaw. You can see habanero seeds, and it almost has a paste-like consistency. There's definite heat on the front end. Uh, it has a nice mouthfeel. I had it on pasta the other day and enjoyed it a lot. The burn lingers on the tongue for a while after. I also actually, tonight before the podcast, uh, had it on nice. jerk chicken. Nice. It's good. Uh, I will say it's not for beginners. It's definitely a novice type sauce. So, you know, you might want to break in. If you're new to hot sauce, you might want to break in with something lighter. But if you love hot sauce and you love spice, it's for you. I give it two thumbs up and I'll be purchasing it again soon. 
Awesome. Awesome. Oh, just one more thing I did want to add, Jim. Uh, I forgot I took a picture of it. Uh, I did not know this. I don't know if you did, um, but Davey Havoc of AFI recently married Jade to his wife. I don't know if he's an interfaith minister ordained. Uh, thought it was interesting. I, I guess we could post some pictures of this on the blog, maybe. Uh, they have pictures from the wedding. Sure. I thought that was well, cool. Really? I, I didn't know about it. I was just on uh, Instagram and I saw it. Uh, so, Hey, I, I can go online, become an ordained minister, and uh, hey, marry you. You may, be, you may have you to. <laughs> yeah, the way we're so, going, uh, yeah. so I didn't get a traditional hot sauce per se, as Jim knows, this week. But I got a shipment from JR, uh, which is Jim Ross of WWF WWE, um, the great J- Jim Ross. He has a line of barbecue sauces, mustards, ketchup, seasonings, rubs, Um I was told by my good friend, Adam, who I'd like to give a shout out to. This isn't the official shout out, but Adam, thank you for showing me this. Adam's also a big AFI fan, and we hope to have him on the podcast maybe in the new year because uh, he, he'll he be a great guest. Uh, JR's, I got the seasoning. I got the barbecue sauce, original flavor. I got the mustard and the chipotle ketchup. I was able to try both the mustard. It's called uh main event mustard sweet and spicy and the chipotle ketchup they were both phenomenal i put it on some chicken tonight i uh had some chicken that i had marinating and both are phenomenal um definitely a a nice sweet and spicy uh little bit of a kick to the mustard i can't even describe it it's it's a cross between a traditional yellow mustard and a honey mustard but it has that kind of southern tangy Mustard that you would find at barbecue joints, like for uh, pulled pork and whatnot. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, I hope Jim that, gets some soon, and whoever is interested as well. That good old southern slap your mother mustard, right? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good, man. Uh, perfect balance of sweet versus hot. I'm definitely going to be putting this shit on a lot of sandwiches and whatever else. And the chipotle ketchup is really good. It has a little bit of a kick. Um, but very, very flavorful. It's it's unlike any Chipotle I've ever like tasted in something. It's an old family recipe, I guess. It's amazing. Everyone do yourself a favor and go get some. I hope Jim gets to try it soon as well. And I also hope to get onto that Pepper Palace. So hopefully Jim can hook me up with some of the details on that. It's it's If you like hot stuff, it's like Disney World. Okay. It's, you go on and it's just like, you know, bam. Nice. Um, it, it's good. Nice. So, uh, do you want to do shout-outs? Yeah, so um, my shout-out is not mo- not as much as a shout-out, but it's um, I would like everyone to say a prayer for uh, my grandfather, Charlie, uh, who is, he is pretty much at death's door, and I, I don't know if he'll last through the week. Uh, he's refused the feeding tube, and they sent him home. Uh, so he's just kind of out of it, incoherent in and out. Um, he, he knew who I was, uh, you know, he, I was able to decipher some words, but you know, like it's really hard to understand someone who's talking to you like that. Uh, so I was with him for a good while today. If everyone could just say a prayer, I'd like to just say a quick prayer for him right now. Um, have at it. Absolutely. Uh, almighty eternal God have compassion on the anxious sighs and groanings of my grandfather, Charlie. Receive him into your kingdom that you have mercifully prepared for him and all believers from the beginning of the world. Graciously release them, O Lord, and comfort them eternally. 
through your dear son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, almighty, eternal God, heavenly Father, comfort and strengthen Charlie, save him through your goodness, deliver him from all anguish and distress, release him in your grace, and take him to yourself in your kingdom through Jesus, your son, our only Savior and Redeemer. Amen. Amen, and I hope all our listeners say a prayer for your grandfather, Charlie. Thank you. You're welcome. You got any other shout-outs? Uh, no, uh, just uh, good vibes and, and, and good comfort to my, my grandmother and my family and especially my mother. Um, you know, as I said before on, the, on a previous podcast, she's never really had that great of a relationship with her dad, so she, she's really taking this hard um, now that he's not going to be living anymore. So prayers to her, prayers to my grandmother and my aunts and all my family and to my whole family. and to my grandfather, you know, who's, you know, probably thinking about all, you know, the, the not too great things he may have done in his life. And I'm sure we're all going to be at that point one day and uh, shout out to, to him. And I hope, you know, he, he finds peace. Amen. So my shout outs, uh, as always, Ron, Ron for the beats. He can be found at the key man one on social media. I also would like to give a shout out to everyone asking to guest on the podcast. We're going to be featuring guests after the new year. We'll be connecting with some great people who have some powerful stories of recovery and sobriety. We hope you're as excited about that as we are and definitely stay tuned for future episodes. I know sometimes it's, we might say absolutely, or you know, a lot, we're still working the kinks out. <laughs> Nothing's a hundred percent. I mean, this is, you get what you get, but thank you to everyone for tuning in. Uh, it means the world to me to hear people give us positive reviews and that people are listening. Uh, as always, I'm at the Sober Lens on all social media. Joe is at so uh, Sober Lens Joe on Instagram. There's links in our bios to stream the podcast on your favorite streaming service. Reach out to us on our blog at Music Arts and Brews. We can connect there. There's a link for that as well. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend, everyone.